Chris Kauser here with Mateo Howell. <laughs> On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Joe Carnahan's latest film, Cop Shop, featuring, of course, the talents of Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler, a guy that Matt, I've always struggled with. I'm not quite sure what happens and why. We'll get into all of that. And then our Halloween horror-thon typey stuffy starts as October has begun, and we checked out The Empty Man. A possible cult classic in the making. We'll tell you what's coming up on physical media featuring your streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week. And then finally, Matt and I are going to do an inaugural episode of, at least to say, the section of double feature recommendations. So this is going to be all horror Halloween double feature recommendations. And I'm very excited to talk about that, Matt. Let's start everything off, though, with a clip from Cop Shop. Help! Help! He's trying to kill me! Somebody! You seem to have sobered up. I'm gonna need you to drop that gun and lower yourself as flat as a board to the floor for me. You're shaking. Yeah, I'm nervous. It's amazing I haven't blown your fucking head off. You assaulted my sergeant and are attempting an escape. There's not a jury in Nevada that would blah, blah, blah. Drop that fucking gun now. Matt, that sounds intense. And I decided to leave in the profanity because if you're going to watch Cop Shop, you should know there's going to be a fair amount of profanity. So why don't you tell everybody at home, what is Cop Shop all about? Frank Grillo plays a con man that's on the run from the bad guys. Um, he decides to come up with a plan to hide within a police station, thinking that he will be safe there. When one of the hitmen that are after him, played by Gerard Butler, shows up and is locked in the cell next to him. And chaos ensues. So and that Gerard Carnahan has really turned out some, I think, interesting films. I enjoy Narc a lot. I do not like Smoking Aces. I think his A-Team film isn't horrible, but he did the great Liam Neeson fights Wolves, the gray, right? So he's real, I think, sometimes hit and miss. And I'm looking now at his filmography on the Wikipedias, and I am terrified to see the one of the to-be-announced films is in an untitled The Raid remake that he is directing and writing. I, that that bothers me. Yeah. Either way. But we've already got a good we've already got a good remake. It's called Dread. It's in the future. <laughs> Remember though, I think it was you who pointed out that Dread actually was done first. Yeah, the script for Dread was that was done first. And there's a there's a rumor going around that Alex Garland at some point got his hands on that script and said, you know what? I think I could do this. And that's where the raid came from. Man, I remember two for what, two years we did that thing, like the you know, that that Dread had ripped off the raid when Yeah. Really, it's possible it was the other way. Either way, let's get back to Cop Shop. Fun name. Matt, what are your thoughts on Cop Shop? Is this just really top shelf dadtainment? Do we have a breath of fresh air in the action genre? What are your thoughts? Yeah, if those are my options, I don't think either one is is correct. I think uh, it's too violent um, and too kind of uh nihilistic to be dad tainment dad tainment seems to be kind of needs to be kind of safe um whereas i don't think that's that's this and i don't think it's necessarily a breath of fresh air in the action environment um with things that exist out there like john wick which i would say were at the time were a breath of fresh air this just seems like a very kind of run-of-the-mill i mean workmanlike but well done action film i mean it had kind of flashes of what's that what's that john carpenter film escape the from uh, not escape uh um the taking Assault of precinct 13 yeah 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 that one i mean it had some vibe it had some vibe of that to, to me it is a lot more i would say kind of like tense and talky for good long stretches of this which i didn't necessarily expect going into this i expected it to be a little more wild and over the top but once it kind of got there it just went went for it full bore but it was okay i thought it was pretty good but it wasn't it wasn't anything that was groundbreaking or anything like that. See, now I thought this was a nice 
round of dad tainment. I really, really? did enjoy it. I didn't think the violence would be an issue for. Now I say I, you know, that you're talking about what men in that 35 to 50 range, I guess. Is that fair? Maybe 30. Sure. And I think that, I think this hit, hits that wheel spot. I don't think the wheel spot, uh, I, <laughs> I don't think the film is too overly violent for that type of thing. I think it's fine to fit inside that that particular pinhole genre. I have a weird thing, as I said in the opening too, about Butler, where I have no interest in him at all as, as an actor, right? And then I'll see him in something. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. I get it. And then I'll go through a, a round where I have no interest in seeing anything he's in again for a while. And I don't know if I'm now starting to curve out of that because I think it may have been Den of Thieves, which you haven't seen is, you want to talk about a violent, possibly one of the most nihilistic films I've seen where there is nobody to root for in that movie. That's just It's just mean from start to finish. And I have like no urge to revisit that. There's not literally an ounce of fun in that film. And Butler's in that. And I just, I don't know what it is, Matt. There's just something about the guy that just seems to, I seem to forget about him immediately after watching him in a film. Maybe it's those lackluster, you know, insert what noun has fallen right that he was in yeah i think i think a lot of that has to do with his kind of post 300 work where like when 300 really put him on the map and then he started doing rom-coms and family films and those kind of those olympus has fallen and london has fallen which i would say are definitely dadtainment those those kind of forgettable films is what made it the way it is yeah and those films are entirely forgettable i'm not a big fan of those at all in fact i think i've only seen the first two there's Three or is there four at now at this point? I don't remember. I don't but, know. I don't think I've seen any of them all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of several of them. But I have to say, this one worked for me. It really did. I had a lot of fun watching this thing. It's, it's an exceptionally well-executed genre film, Matt. Maybe a bit exaggerated when it's dialogue, but the dialogue's still kind of snappy and fun. But it, the film doesn't have anything new to say. It really doesn't. It's simply content with how to show you how these movies are done. Right, I mean, it screamed to me like mid '70s Eastwood to me, like like The Gauntlet, right? If you like that kind of film, I think this fits right in that same uh, drawer. I mean, really, it's it's the exact same type of film to me. And I wanted to praise Alexis Louder, so she plays the cop, the rookie in this film, Valerie Young, who is caught in the middle between this con man who may be a little worse than a con man, and then Gerard Butler's, uh, his, his hitman, Bob Vidic. And then, of course, you have Toby Hush shows up, Matt, as Anthony Lamb, who's just a nutcase, right? He really provides most of the, what, the, com- the comedy into the film, and he is pretty entertaining when he shows up. But I really still, I think Alexis Louder is almost magnetic with this thing, and Carnahan really knows how to shoot her. I think she is a lot of fun to watch in this. Which is weird because if I had any real problem with the film, it's the ending. The very ending where Carnahan sets up this kind of pseudo sequel where the story between, you know, between Vidic and Young may not be done. And I feel like if we're going to get a sequel out of this, which I doubt, but if we do, I have no interest in continuing the adventures of Vidic and Young. I wouldn't mind seeing another story with Young. I think I'd prefer to see another story with Gerard Butler's Vedic character. Really, if I had to choose out of this. I don't know, what are your thoughts? I don't think this has any room for a sequel. I don't think anybody's going to be clamoring for this. And I don't even think the director really has any intention. I mean, obviously the way he set it up. But I, I think that's just more of a, a result of kind of sticking to the script of these things. But yeah, I would not be interested in seeing another one of these. I... And I just kind of want to circle back on the fact that part of what you alluded to is why I don't feel like this is dad tainment is it seems very pulpy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think, it, like you said, it's well done, but it's not anything groundbreaking. The rookie cop um, that she plays is is the probably the most interesting character in this. I think when Artie, the strongest man in the world, shows up, he's always a delight. As usual, he's particularly crazy and creepy. But... Otherwise, yeah, I think uh, I think I see I saw everything I needed to see out of the cop shop universe. That's fair enough, I guess. I think what we're gonna need, folks, is a full definition of dadtainment. Are there specific 
criteria really that that defines it shoot us an email feedback at the first as well as your thoughts on cop shop matt i i i'm giving cop shop a b minus you know what great minds think alike i'm giving it a b minus as well i was entertained enough but it wasn't anything that blew me away fair fair and listen folks i think you should check this out if you like action films i think there's enough here to keep you entertained as matt said it has this kind of pulpy feel to it i don't want to see it's pulp fictiony right because that was all we saw after pulp fiction just like now all we see are john wick derivatives but uh i think it's entertaining enough the dialogue is snappy which i guess is your tarantino side still uh but yeah no, I think it's well worth checking out, but you don't have to rush out to the theater. You can watch this at home and feel perfectly uh, content with that viewing experience. Cop Shopping Now is available in the theaters at Matt exclusively, I believe. So, good times. Coming up in physical media this upcoming Tuesday, October 5th. I saw the first film in this series. There's only been two so far. And it came out in January 2020, I believe. And I thought it was pretty good. I was entertained by it, so I would like to check out the sequel. So let's hear a clip. Welcome to Illuminous Bank. For payment following the death of a loved one, please enter your PIN. PIN? Your PIN code? We got a box with the name Sonia on it and some razor-sharp diamonds. We got a box like that, too. It says Sonia on it. And there's there's two stacks of blank bills. I don't know what it means. Full laser grid activation in eight minutes sharp diamonds blank bills and a chick named sonia guys i think we're missing something here following the payment of the death of a loved one um we what do you call it we get paid for a death uh um, um, um blood money blood money yeah. hurry bring the bills over here they want us to put blood on the bills yes yes yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt. That first film came out in 2019. That is Escape Room. Well, that's Escape Room Tournament of Champions. And uh, did you ever check out the first Escape Room? I don't think we did it for the show. No, I've never seen it. I, In fact, I don't even... When the sequel came out, I struggled to even remember what the first one looked like from trailers because I don't even remember seeing any. So, uh, yeah... I think it's enjoyable enough. If you got nothing going on, you can check out that first one. I'll be watching this second one. Includes an extended and theatrical cuts to the film. I think it's also supposed to be an alternative ending and uh, making a featurettes as well. RLJ and Shudder have teamed up to release Fried Barry. Barry is a drug-addled, abusive bastard, Matt, who, after another bender, is abducted by aliens. Barry takes a backseat as an alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows an onslaught of drug sex violence as our alien Taurus enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. IFC is releasing Six Minutes to Midnight. It's the summer of 1939, Matt. Influential families in Nazi Germany have sent their daughters to a finishing school in an English seaside town to learn the language and be ambassadors for future-looking national socialists. A teacher there sees what is coming and tries to raise the alarm, featuring Eddie Izzard, Judy Dench, and Jim Broadbent. Space Jam, A New Legacy. I have not seen the new Space Jam. I have not seen the first Space Jam. From everything I understand, they are both atrocious. Matt, have you seen either of the Space Jams? Yeah, I have not seen the second one. I did see the first one when I was younger. And honestly, I don't understand what this kind of wave of positive nostalgia is for this movie because it was never particularly good i i don't understand i don't get it as far as why people love it so much and we're so excited for the new one but yeah you have your life is better for having skipped both of those films there you go best buy has an exclusive steelbook target has an exclusive release with a different cover but no other information is available i went on the target site matt and somebody actually was kind enough to ask on the site you know, what makes this an exclusive version of this release? And Target responded, call us. So I guess we'll never really know. Another girl is being released, ignoring the advice of friends. A young woman befriends a female stranger online with whom she shares her innermost thoughts and secrets. It's only when she agrees to meet the girl in the flesh that she discovers the unimaginable truth. Like she's like a griffin or something. What could be the unimaginable truth in that thing? Broken Diamonds. In the wake of his father's death, a 20-something writer sees his dreams of moving to Paris put in jeopardy when he's forced to temporarily take in his wildly unpredictable, mentally ill sister. 
Shout Factory is releasing the kids' film Little Vampire, a friendship forms which will sustain the two colorful adventures between a 10-year-old boy who is really a 300-year-old vampire and an orphan schoolboy. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing Onibaba, deep in the windswept marshes of war-torn medieval Japan, an impoverished older woman and her daughter-in-law murder lost samurai and sell their belongings for the most meager of sustenance. When a bedraggled neighbor returns from battle, lust, jealousy, and rage threaten to destroy the trio's tenuous existence before an ominous, ill-gotten demon mask seals their horrifying fate. A restored high-definition transfer, audio commentary from 2001, interviews from 2003, and more. Scream Factory is releasing Elvira's Haunted Hills, comedy in which a woman traveling through Europe finds herself trapped in a sinister castle fighting for her life. Elvira is headed for Paris in the company of her maid, Zhao Zhao, when they come across Lord Vladimir Helsibus. Brand new 4K restoration on that one. A new introduction by Elvira as well. Did you hear what happened with uh, Cassandra recently? No, I haven't. She came out. She has been in a uh, lesbian relationship for 19 years. Oh, wow. So good for her. Warner Archive is releasing Night Shift. This is the Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton, Shelley Long comedy classic. This is a, a nebbish morgue attendant gets shunted back to the night shift where he is shackled with an obnoxious neophyte partner who dreams of the one great idea for success. When a prostitute neighbor complains about the loss of her pimp, his partner suggests they use the morgue as a brothel. I feel like, Matt, this is one of those films that could only have been made in the 80s. I don't know why. I just don't see something like this being made today. Unless it was some kind of cheeky uh, throwback kind of thing. Could be. Phantasm 1 and 2 are being released as a double pack, Matt, in a special edition. A brand new 4K scan from the original camera negative, supervised and approved by Coscarelli. Uh, and the new director's cut for part two, never before released, X-rated sphere gore sequence. So this is available as part of the larger sphere collection that I have. But now, but part two has never been individually available. At least I should say this 4K scan of it with the gore put back in. It was originally cut from the theatrical release. So now you can finally pick that up without having to shell out a hundred bucks for the whole set. Paramount is releasing Dead Again. Kenneth Branagh, Emma Thompson, and Andy Garcia. I loved this film, Matt, when I was a kid. Are you familiar with Dead Again at all? I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard of it. Branagh directs the film. He stars as Mike Church, who's a policeman turned private detective in L.A., and he specializes in finding missing persons and agrees to investigate a mysterious woman called Grace. You should go into this knowing as little as possible, and I'm not going to say it holds up. I just really remember enjoying this when I first saw it. I, mean, I think we taped it off of HBO. I had it on VHS. MVD Visual is releasing Dirty Laundry. A young man and his girlfriend unwittingly come into possession of a bag containing a million dollars belonging to a drug smuggling ring. The mobsters try and catch the couple and retrieve those funds. Brand new audio commentary, a new interview with the star Lee McCloskey, a new interview also with star Robbie Rist. Kino Lorber is releasing some films. The Victim, a bunch of TV movies actually this week. 2K restoration of that. Uh, the Victim stars Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched. Betty Davis stars in Scream Pretty Peggy, and then Olivia de Havilland stars in The Screaming Women. Code Red is releasing Trick or Treats from 1982 featuring David Carradine. Unearthed Films is releasing Ryan Nicholson's Star Vehicle. Whatever you do, Matt, don't yell cut. Don is a chauffeur and a movie buff who takes his job seriously. Very seriously. When his latest assignment takes him to the set of a low-budget horror film, he's overjoyed to learn he'll be driving Reverse Red, his favorite B-movie Scream Queen. And things go horribly wrong from there. Shout Factors releasing the Don Knotts collection. The king of fish-out-of-water comedies. Knotts stumbles and bumbles his way through five laugh-out-loud adventures, including The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, The Reluctant Astronaut, The Shakiest Gun in the West, How to Frame a Fig, and The Love God. There's also an Audrey Hepburn collection being released, Matt, which includes digital copies. I may pick this up because I love Audrey Hepburn. I only have a couple of the films on Blu-ray. Breakfast at Tiffany's, Funny Face, Sabrina, My Fair Lady, Paris When It Sizzles, Roman Holiday, War and Peace. And the previous DVD set did not include Paris When It Sizzles, but they've included it for this one. Your 4K releases? Matt, Shout Factory has gone all in on the Halloween films, at least the uh, original five. 
So they're releasing all of them in 4K. The first three have special editions that comes with like mini vinyls of a couple of songs from the films. There's a bundle that includes the vinyls as well as pins and posters. There's a bundle that's just with the vinyl. Uh, all five films being remastered in 4K. I will not be getting any of them. I have a great looking Halloween. I have a bootleg Halloween mat, which is the Sandman version, which is parts one and two kind of merged together into one film with some other stuff from the TV broadcast to kind of make it all one movie that occurs in one night, which is a lot of fun and looks great. And I have, you know, I have uh, what the Blu-rays of the first one, the second one, and the third one. And I think I have digital copies of the other ones. So I'm not going to be upgrading these. I mean, you would have to basically say, hey, Chris, you got two bucks. Here's Halloween 3 in 4K. And I think that's the only one I would pull the trigger on. Also getting an individual release is The Hunt for Red October, previously available as only A, in a steelbook, or B, as part of a set of all of the Jack Ryan films. You can now get just a traditional release of The Hunt for Red October in 4K. I was able to get it, man. I only had it on DVD. So I upgraded it. I bought it at a local store here. It was in the used section in the steelbook, but unopened for like 12 bucks on 4K. So nice. I jumped all now over that's- that. Those movies, that's dadtainment. You know what? You're right. You're entirely right about that. There's also a Universal Classic Monster set being released in 4K, also individually as well. I'll be eyeing this one for a while. I own none of these in Blu-ray, only a couple in DVD, and it includes Dracula, Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and The Invisible Man. For some reason in this set, they dropped off Phantom of the Opera, which is fine. But The Mummy is not included as well, which is my favorite, I think, out of all of them. So not quite sure what the decision is behind that. But you can get this initial Universal Classic Monsters 4K set. And then finally, American Psycho is getting a special steelbook release from Best Buy. I've seen the cover. It actually looks pretty sharp. Your straight-to-DVD picks the week, Matt. Oh, I can't decide. Hmm... We'll save one for next time in case I can't find it. So we'll go with the big one, which I think is the Evil Bong stash box set, where you got all the Evil Bong movies as well as a uh, the sidecar stoner film known as Weed G's. So you get Evil Bong, Evil Bong 2, King Bong, Evil Bong 3, The Wrath of Bong, Ginger Dread Man versus Evil Bong, Evil Bong 420, Evil Bong High Five, Evil Bong 666, Evil Bong 777, and of course, who said Ouija's? So if you don't know any of the films, what's wrong with you, man? Now you can buy them all in this one big set, which basically is about a, you know, an evil bong. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So one of uh, Chris's most anticipated films, I think, was last year. They're all starting. All the years are starting to run together now. Promising Young Woman is now available on HBO Max, starring Carrie Mulligan playing a woman who is. Uh, traumatized by an event in her past that decides to go out and take matters into her own hands and get revenge on the the type of men who uh, inflicted the, that trauma upon her. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it, but it's now available on HBO Max. That's so funny you brought that up because if you hadn't brought it up, I was going to mention it. I saw that it was indeed on there when I was uh, looking for The Empty Man, which is currently available on HBO Max, which we are going to talk about next. You're right. You stand up. Touch me. I'll die. What? That scene, it's 1995. These hikers have run afoul of something. Something bad. 
And then we fast forward to what, 2018, 2017, 2016, pick a year. It doesn't really matter. It's 2018. And there is a cop brought in to investigate disappearance of a young woman and then some of her friends disappear as well and he suspects matt that perhaps something supernatural is afoot matt originally filmed in 2017 mostly in south africa the film received some really just dreadful test screenings being people hated this thing and then 20th century fox said you know what we're not feeling it and they shelved the whole film fast forward to 2020 i'm assuming Due to the pandemic, the studios want to put something out there, see if they can drum up some business. And The Empty Man gets a very limited release in theaters. What's released too, Matt, is the director, David Pryor, considers a rough edit of the film. He feels he hasn't really, wasn't really done putting it together. And at one point, the producers of the film assembled a 90-minute version of the film that tested even worse than Pryor's version. So he went in, did another edit, and then put all that stuff back in and then include, left in another, what, six extra minutes of stuff. So now this baby runs at like two hours and 17 minutes. Should it have stayed on the shelf, Matt? Or is this a found cult classic? So I will be the first to admit that when I saw that running time, I was not confident. I, I, I generally think that films can be are better served by being um, shorter in most cases, especially horror films. But honestly, I quite enjoyed this. It started off kind of, it kind of kept me guessing throughout it. So at first, when this thing started off, I expected it to be more of a regular supernatural kind of trapped in the wilderness type of film. And then it pivots. And then I thought it was going to be something more along the lines of like your stereotypical, you know, teens in, in peril it follows, uh, you mm -hmm. know, type of thing. And then it pivots again and it becomes something completely different. And by the end of it, it becomes this like whacked out Lovecraftian cosmic horror um, metaphysical thing that I was really on board with. And for people who really are into Lovecraft and that whole Cthulhu mythos stuff, um, there are some really heavy, things that when I saw them come out, I was like, I was like, whoa, that's what they're doing with this. And I was really on board with it. I actually, the more, the longer it went, the more on board with it that I got. Yeah. I think that's fair. That's a great way to describe it too. I agree with you. It's, it's really interesting and it's really effective. It's a different idea. I don't think I've seen this in a horror film previously. And I was really fascinated by it. And you're right. It kind of, dips its toe into all these different kind of horror tropes, but it never felt felt derivative to me at all. And I think one of the great things it has going for it, Matt, is its atmosphere. Uh, I made the mistake, I guess I say air quotes, of watching this again with my kind of super special surround sound kind of headphones, right? So all the little subtle sounds, I hear everything, which is really adds to the creep factor. And this, I think this is a really interesting film. I'm not quite sure if it all comes together as well as Pryor intends it to, but I, I love some of the ideas in this film. It is, as I said, relentlessly creepy and unsettling, which is something I really enjoy. It doesn't have a lot of like jump scare type stuff in there, right? You're just watching this for the most part. Just everything just feels off all the time. And it is really, truly terrifyingly creepy at times and very, just very, very effective. I think one of the issues I, I, I think maybe it has is the title. It comes around, put together, you know, released and uh, all that stuff around the same time as stuff like the Bye Bye Man and the Slender Man. Right. Which is just and it is just one more derivative slasher trying to cash in on that urban legend on that meme and it's not i feel like this firm this film owes more to like ben wheatley's kill list than anything like that and if you haven't seen that film that's another one too that really will just kind of creep you the hell out and i just really enjoyed this film Matt. how original it was solid performances throughout 
nothing really felt over the top to me or out of line for normal behavior of the characters. You know, a lot of times in these in these bad horror films, people just do things that don't make any sense. I think there's even like a car insurance commercial about that. But uh, yeah, I'm wondering if the test audiences and the theater and the theaters, but the studios just didn't really know what they had, what they have with this. And I'm not quite sure what to do with it. And I think this could end up being one of those films that just kind of lives on for a long time. I There's no call, I think, right now for a physical release. You can't buy a Blu-ray of this anywhere, and which I think is a real disappointment. I would love to see like an in-depth making of documentary on this thing. Really get into Pryor's head on the creation on this, how he wrote this, where he got the ideas for everything. Really, just I'd like to see an examination of this thing. Because it is one of the more unsettling, cerebral, creepy horror films I've seen in the past 10 years. I, I, it's, it's good. Like I said, it may be a little loose in the end. Maybe it's, I feel like maybe you could tighten this thing up a little bit. I don't mean cut runtime. Maybe just explore some of the narrative themes that it presents to us a little more. But overall, Matt, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I, you're right. I think it does get a little shaky there at the end, especially with some of its heady concepts it's trying to present to you and it's trying to like cram it all in in the last 10 minutes of the film. But yeah, I I, I agree. I think part of the problem with this is I don't see this having a broad appeal type of thing. This isn't for everybody. And even people who are really into horror, there are certain subgroups in horror, like people who are like really into gore and things like that. Um they may not be, may not like this, but if you're of a certain bent, I think you're really going to enjoy this. And if you're at all curious to at least give it a shot and I'm with you, I'm a little bummed out that I couldn't get it on physical media. Cause I don't buy physical media quite as much as Chris does, but um, I, I really kind of wanted to add this to my collection and I was kind of bummed that I couldn't get it, but it's, uh, it's something I probably will revisit again because I feel like I missed a lot of the nuance in mm. it. Listen, folks, The Empty Man is currently streaming on HBO Max. I believe you can rent it as well as most of your digital retailers. But like you said, you can't buy a physical copy yet. So rent it up, folks. Get those viewership numbers up. Maybe we can get something with some special features. Because this, is, as we said, is a film that really begs to be uh, pulled apart and dived into. What's your letter grade? I don't think either of us gave it a letter grade. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm just getting there. You're so oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. So it's I, I actually I gave it a B. I like I said it's it's I'd like to tighten up a little bit some of the strings at the end, but outside of that, I think it's definitely at least at least a B. Yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna go a little higher. I'm gonna give it a B plus. I think um, you know as it kind of delved into kind of the more cosmic horror stuff, I got really on board with it. So I appreciated what they were trying to do. Are you gonna pick up the graphic novel? It's actually based on a graphic novel. You know? Yeah. So I read that. It's incredibly loosely based on a graphic novel that the graphic novel is very different and the kind of outcome and horror of it is all very different. And okay. people seem to think that the movie's actually better. So we'll see. As we said, The Empty Man is currently streaming on HBO Max. Check it out. Let us know your thoughts. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. All right, Matt, it's time for some double feature suggestions. We got some for the horror heads out there. Is that a thing? Are you a horror head? We'll say horror aficionado. How about that? That sounds a little more uh, professional. So Matt and I have some double features for you. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Matt, I want to figure out a way to do this as like a regular segment. I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. That's why I use that theme. Like, oh, that'd be fun. We can use that. You know, you're at the drive-in theater. You mm -hmm. gotta go get your snacks for the double yep. feature. So, uh, okay. How about you go first? What is your double feature suggestion number five? All right. So my number number five. It's gonna be controversial for Chris, um, especially because of the first one that I chose. 
So I'm going to choose um, a, a pair of modern vampire tales. The first being Let Me In, which is the remake or the, I guess, American interpretation of Aldi Lundquist's Let the Right One In, which is a Swedish novel of which there is an excellent Swedish version of that film. And I'm going to pair it with um, Byzantium, which is mm. about a vampire film about uh, uh, Shorsha Ronan and Jim Arterton play a pair of bonded vampires. I believe they're sisters, I think. I can't recall. Um, that's kind of go out and try and make their living in the world. It's kind of interesting to see the juxtaposition. It's like, it's almost like let me in or the let the right one in is kind of the, when they were the children version of that pair and Byzantium is more like the end game of where they could possibly end up. So I think it's a good one too, with a, a different take on vampires. Interesting. I have not seen Byzantium. No, check that out now. Is it pretty good? Yeah. I, it's an interesting film. It's got its, it's got its moments. Um, not incredibly strong all the way throughout, but I think it's good enough to warrant viewing. Good times. So my number five is, I'm going to go with the OG Friday the 13th. I've always enjoyed that one. It's a nice, good, creepy slasher. And I remember, folks, if you do watch it, there is no, well, I should say, it's not going to be your big hulking killer, Jason Voorhees, right? This is the preamble to the franchise, if you will. But I wanted to go with a camping double feature. Maybe you got the uh, movie theater set up outside. Right, you got your projector like I do. You got your screen set up. You got some friends over. You start everything off with Friday the Thirteenth. But I think the the piece de resistance is going to be you're going to close it out with Sleepaway Camp, uh, one of my favorite slashers from the '80s, just because of its absolutely balls to the wall crazy ending. One of the best endings of the any 80s horror film. And uh, I love Sleepaway Camp. So that's my five. You can rent Friday the 13th for four bucks. And Sleepaway Camp is streaming on Shudder. Yeah, that final image in Sleepaway Camp, I, it, that face is just so creepy. Like, I don't see how somebody could do that in real life. But it was, it's a good one. That is a, that is a classic uh, film that kind of comes out of nowhere at the, at the end there. Yeah. All right. So my number four then is a kind of a maybe you want something a little more lighthearted a little more deconstructionist um one so i i'm gonna put one that's a little scarier first so start with cabin in the woods um as a kind of a deconstruction of uh that kind of horror genre and just horror genre in general with all kinds of nods um, but it still has its scares to it where really followed up with something funny with uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil, where it turns out that the hillbillies that are, that you normally have in these things that are the killers are actually just a couple of good hearted people. And it's the college students that uh, are the bad ones. So it's a, uh, it's a funny little movie. Um, I think it pairs well with the two of them. This is just pathetic. So my what? number four <laughs> was Shaun of the dead slash cabin in the woods slash Tucker and Dale versus evil. That's a that's a that's a triple feature. That's not allowed. <laughs> it's true. And if I had to go with the double, it was going to be Cabin in the Woods and Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, geez, we're terrible at this. We yeah, uh, we got to get out more. We got to talk to yeah. different people. <laughs> but well, this uh, is what happens when we don't uh, we don't discuss ahead of time. It's a surprise for us too, folks. That's it. That's very that's very very true. Cabin in the Woods is on Peacock, and Tucker and Dale versus Evil you can get on uh, Hoopla or Canopy. All right, Matt. So what's your three? Uh, so my number three, um, I think pair exceptionally well together. So uh, my number first part of it would be um, Hellraiser, Clive Barker's foray into film um, about a bunch of creepy demons who come when called through a puzzle box and torture you with the excesses of pleasure. Um, and it's it's a, just a weird gothic, uh, you know, uh, SM fueled um uh, horror film and then let's go you know several hundred years in the future and do the same thing in an event horizon about a ship that disappears into another dimension and then mysteriously returns um with some hitchhikers that are not not great that are inhabiting the ship um it's got a lot of the same feel to it but i think it's just uh it's kind of like a one-two of of your gore as far as that goes I guess so. I think Hellraiser, initially I would think, well, that's clearly Clive Barker working through some issues. And then as I got older, I'm like, no, he's not working through it. He's settled. He knows where he is. Yeah. But when it comes to Event Horizon, I just, 
it's okay. I don't know. There seems to be like a a rewriting of how good that film is. It's I just don't think it's terribly good. Yeah, but, uh, I know. I know you're not a huge fan of it. I, I I don't know. I think it's it's better than people give it credit for. I mean, I remember when it came out, it was it was panned and people really hated it. I don't think that's necessarily a fair generalization. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's not atrocious. It's not bad, 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 but it's just not either way. Fair enough. All right. So my number three, Matt, is my little bit of international travel. It's our little time with the French new wave. So I went with one of my favorites inside, which is just a gore soaked horror masterpiece as well as its sister. And some prefer this film. I don't, but Martyrs, which is about... So inside, you have this one woman who's, young woman who's being basically stalked by this crazy woman. Uh, this young woman, I should say, too, is pregnant, So, which adds another level of just horror to it. And then Martyrs, there's this group of folks, basically, Matt, who feel... Well, I mean, what should you not spoil it? Because I think that's... It starts as one thing and turns into something else very different. So maybe I should just say... Yeah, if I was going to describe Martyrs, I would say it's uh, two women or a woman goes to get revenge on some people who inflicted a trauma on her and in in, uh, her childhood with her her friend who's along for the ride. I'm one of the people that prefers Martyrs to Inside, but they're both they're both really good. So there you go. You can rent them both basically for four bucks in most of your streaming platforms. What do you got? All right. This is a little bit of a layup. But when you suggest this, this is what I immediately thought of. So I thought of if you really want to talk about conceits around hearing and what is around you, I would go with uh, don't breathe and, and then pair it with hush. Um, you could get it from both angles as to which one can't hear uh, versus the, uh, you know, people trying to escape the the blind guy um, who can track them by their, their sounds. And then, of course, you have the hush where the uh, person being terrorized is deaf. Um, so it's it's a one-two of, of sound design for in horror. That's a great idea, man. My uh, number two then is for, yeah, I was going to say for the gore aficionados, but it's not really. It's more the, one is, one isn't. And really the, the French trip is really going to take care of that for you. But it's one of the scariest and yet most bloodless horror films ever. And that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I teamed it with its lesser-known, schlockier, more exploitative pieces, which I adore. Just a film, again, I think what is the title? You don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. So um, it's just hyper-violent, gory, just ridiculous, over-the-top kind of Euro shock stuff where they were just biting off of these successful films and making their own versions. But Pieces is special. It's worth checking out. And uh, both of them are currently on Shudder. All right, so my number one, I'm struggling a little bit with what to pair it with. So I, my initial thought was a film that we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, but we really love it, so whatever. John Carpenter's The Thing, which just got a 4K release, and um, pairing it with um, Annihilation, which almost seems to be like if the thing spread out. But I struggled with it because Annihilation is, for most of it, not a horror film. Although there is at least one incredibly scary scene. Mm. So then my my alternative, if you want more straight horror, um, would be The Descent. Which kind of pairs well with the kind of claustrophobic, you can't escape um, atmosphere. Whereas The Thing takes place in the Arctic, where it's wide open, but there's nowhere to go. Where The Descent is you're trapped underground in tight spaces while something pursues you. It gives you both that kind of alternating sense of, you know, um, you're isolated and you're trapped with something after you. No, that's good. Have you gotten your 4K yet? I know you, last time we had spoken, you hadn't received it yet. Yeah, I did. I got it uh, early last week. Nice. That's good. Those are both good choices. So uh, my number one then is we're dealing, Matt, with witches. And mine, all right? So we're going to start things off with Dario Argento's Suspiria, about a young woman who goes to a ballet school and uh, does not does not have a good time. And then we're going to team that with what happens when you run into some crazy-ass people who are desperate, Matt, to stay young and beautiful and vibrant. Uh, that, of course, is reference the Neon Demon, 
which is a film I've really been itching to revisit for a while now. I have not watched it in quite a while. And I was re-listening re to the score a little while ago, man, which is uh, so good. But uh, Neon, The Neon Demon is available on Prime. Suspiria is available on Canopy, which is, it's not really available to stream anywhere. So you, I was, I kept going back and forth too, Matt. Do I just partner it with then uh, Luca Guadalini's, is I'm saying that right? His version of Suspiria? The problem is, part of it is the visuals, right? And Argento's is such a bright, interesting, vibrant view. It's a fantastic watch, as is Refn's Neon Demon. It's just a beautiful film. Luca's is still fascinating to watch, but aesthetically, it's very different. So the visuals, I think, visually, I think Argento's version and Refn's Neon Demon are, are a better pair uh, of the two. It's just if you can't track it down for a different experience, maybe you can go with the uh, remake, which is on Prime right now. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a that's a one-two punch of a surreal. If you go with Argento with Neon Demon, that would be a a mind trip of a film. Exactly. A, oh. Exactly my thought process. Good times. Thank you for explaining it better than I could. <laughs> You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Any honorable mentions? Yeah. So, um, so interestingly enough, uh, one of my honorable mentions is if you really want to delve into the horrors and evilness that is uh, ballet, um, Suspiria paired with uh, Black Swan could be interesting even if mm. i think maybe even more appropriate the new one versus the original um if you're gonna pair it with black swan to get a dose of cosmic horror uh color out of space with the empty man uh for an artsy vampire version um do let the right one in versus uh, coupled with a girl walks home alone at night the iranian uh vampire film and then just for running zombies all day long 28 days later and train to basan Those are all excellent, Matt. Very good. Um, I had, Outside of those, I would say, too, and this is probably the biggest layup. That's why I didn't make my list, is Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, which is basically it's kind of one continuous story. Mm -hmm. If you found footages, I would go wreck the original version, not the U.S. remake and probably the Blair Witch. And I was struggling with Matt, and I wanted to work it in, and I couldn't really come up with anything, would be It Follows. What would you combine It Follows with? Mm, that's a good question what would i combine it follows with um i want to say almost malignant but yeah you know what i would almost put it in with uh maybe 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 this is weird i don't know what do you think maybe something like ouija origin of evil or even annabelle creation because you get the kind of um targeted by a a uh, supernatural entity kind of thing that's coming after a particular person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that might work. Man, Annabelle Creation, I watched that the other day. There's some creepy-ass stuff in that. There's some creepy shit in that movie. There's some things that really freaks me out. I would also throw in uh, Underwater and Leviathan. I avoid, Out of those sea movies from the 80s, 90s, you know, I always liked the Leviathan more than like Deep Star 6. And there was one more. I don't... And I'm not thinking of The Abyss. I thought there was like one more. Anyway. Good times. What are your favorite double features? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. Matt, coming up next week. Uh, it's supposed to be a pretty good week. You know, I did buy, even though it's not next week, I have bought two tickets for, for two separate screenings for No Time to Die. Really? Why are you going to go see it twice? Well, I one, honestly, it's because I don't know what night I'll be able to see it. Oh, okay. So I wanted to make sure I locked it in. And then the other thing, too, if I, I don't know. I may want to go see it in the theater twice. Maybe just not two days in a row, though. But okay. the big thing is, I read online, somebody tweeted this out. And if this is true, it could change my whole perspective. That Venom 2 has got an Evil Dead 2 vibe to it. That they kind of just went like off the wall with it. Now, that that is... Big praise there. So I don't know if that's true because it's film Twitter, so you never know what you're going to get, really. But that would be fascinating. So that's what's up next week is Venom 2, and then we start our body horror mar marathon, right, with Tokyo yeah. Gore Police. Mm -hmm. So that should be interesting. It's its its own body horror all around, symbiotes and, and whatever goes on in Tokyo Gore Police. We're making our own double feature. Good times. And then a week after that, we said it's No Time to Die with Rabid, Halloween Kills with Tetsuo, The Iron Man, 
And then things get rough because we have Dune and the French Dispatch and then Last Night in Soho and Antlers. And then we have the Body Horror Marathon to go with it as well. So I don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. It's going to be an exciting time, though, for the show. Also, Matt, we'll be recording the first episode of the second season of Screen Run tonight. And you will be joining us for the second episode, which we'll be doing. We're going to do every two weeks. So we'll be dropping a little teaser for that you can find on the Screen Run feed as well. So you can check that out. I guess it's cat's out of the bag at this point. I think uh, the Lady One released it. We will be covering all of the Alien films, including the Verse Predators. Now, are you having guests on on every show? Everyone but the first one. We're going to okay. have guests for everyone but the first one. Very good. Very good. And Matt, I'm very excited. Yeah, is joining us for Aliens. Mm-hmm. So we, we dive all in, Matt. I mean, I go in. I listen to audio commentaries. I watch. I watched Memory. That making of documentary that was out. I watched okay. all the behind the scenes stuff on the okay. Alien 4K. No, I've, so, uh, yeah. I've listened to the I've listened to the show. I've listened to the whole run of uh, Screen Run, so I know what I'm in for. I guess I got to do some some prepping between now and record date. Yeah, we got a couple weeks though. Like I say we do every yeah. two weeks. So good times. All right, that's gonna be the big show this week. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show, and we will read it on the air. And uh, that's it, Matt. So we're going to go ahead, take an extended break, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated. We love it. We'll see you soon. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy after Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy after Halloween, Super Shabbat. Happy after Halloween, Halloween.